For those of you that have heard of Lilith Fair, the all-female music fest, I'm curious how many actually know its namesake. Do you know um, who Lilith is or who she was, I guess? Uh, I've heard the name. I don't... I know it's something potentially demonic, but then again, so are you, so... I. <laughs> It's maybe a name you go by. I'm not too You just sure. switched me. Yeah, you're confusing me and Lilith. It <laughs> happens all the time. Well, you're actually not too far off because Lilith is a firecracker of a legend, just like me, by the way. <laughs> She's considered a demon turned feminist. Okay. Mm, okay. Sounds like an Instagram bio that I'm going to steal and put in mine. <laughs> demon turned feminist? Yeah. Demon turned feminist. And yeah. we're also going to talk about how she went from one to the other and her kind of progression. Oh, oh wait, hang on. That's my autobiography. From demon to feminist. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, hang on, everybody. I, I'm going to go erase Christine to Instagram and try to change my handle before someone takes it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Christine Schiefer. And I'm M. Schultz, and every week we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. We are going to talk about Lilith today, talk about an old school story, and how she's still lingering around, even in my Instagram bio, but in other <laughs> aspects of pop culture and modern day too. So let's crack into it. This episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery... Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. We talk a lot about spiritualism on this show and our other show, and I wonder, have you ever considered the role of feminism or I guess just women in general in uh, spiritualism? I'm kind of embarrassed to say no. I've always just assumed that there's elements of feminism in all or at least most spiritualities, but I've never really done a deep dive into any of them. I feel like ugh, I think being surrounded by a lot of Christians growing up in the South, I often struggle to see the equality aspect of that belief system. Uh, maybe it's 
stamped on in there and I just have my own opinions that are fudging my ability to see it. But I feel like there is definitely feminism in, uh, I know, Wicca. I actually just saw a couple TikToks come up on my phone yesterday for Hinduism and feminism. So Hmm, that's pretty interesting. interesting. So I bet it is sprinkled in just about every belief system and whether or not I see it as as a me problem. (laughs) So Yeah, no, it's hard to say. And I think same same thing growing up in Catholic school, it is very, I feel like I'm too close to it to really give it a third degree, like or a third party, you know, mm-hmm. view. But yeah, it's it's a big question. I'm sure many dissertations have been written about it. Uh, and there are definitely people who are much more well-educated in this topic than I am. But I think Lilith is a very good place to start. The very beginning. The <laughs> You know what? Literally. <laughs> Literally the very beginning because start from the top. Yep. She was very early on. I, interestingly enough, did not learn about Lilith at all in Catholic school. This is not a thing they taught me. This is not something we covered. I feel like that's kind of expected in my mind. I feel like, it, like, why would you go to Catholic school for them to teach you about demons or in, maybe like God forbid the demon sounds like an interesting story and you latch onto that one you know I don't know good point they don't want you to relate to it you know which too late for me and my Instagram but you know what I mean like they don't want you to, <laughs> to be, be connected I guess that's true but they do teach you like all the it's supposed to be sort of a cautionary tale so you'd think they would mm. try and teach it as like a you know don't be like her oh I don't know yeah you know I never really learned about it I guess we probably learned more of the New Testament stuff. So maybe that's why. But so I don't I honestly didn't know much about Lilith either, except that she was she intimidated a lot of people. I know that and still does. Okay, so you learned from Catholic school. I learned about Lilith through True Blood. So (laughs) all I know is that she is the creator of vampires or she's the very first vampire or something. So slim to nothing Um, education over here. Cool. I don't know if podcast fact checkers are really going to be super on board with that one. They, oh, have they not watched the incredible True Blood? She was, in fact, the creator of vampires or something like that. But I actually, I just looked up the word Lilith. It means jackals or wild beasts. Interesting. Yeah, she's sort of a uh, demonic force to be reckoned with, but also an icon, you know? (laughs) Sure. uh, Let's find out. I'll tell you why. Well, in Jewish folklore, the most popular origin stories about Lilith say that she was the first wife of Adam, a.k.a. Adam and Eve. Um, And I guess Eve was the, you know, runner up. Drama. Hang on a second. So, okay. This is interesting because you would think maybe this is why they don't teach this in Catholic school because it's currently with no biblical knowledge. It seems like someone got divorced. Uh oh. Hang on. Or at least had an extramarital affair, right? (gasps) Like, there's which God literally forbid. (laughs) So, the first Eve story, so like Lilith being the first Eve, says that Lilith and Adam were both created by God from dust, something Lilith saw as a sign of equality between the two of them. 100% backer on that. I got it. I get it. I'm on board. Your dust ain't special. You know? <laughs> your dust is my dust is your yeah, dust. It's all exactly. the same. They both were put into the Garden of Eden to live, but while Lilith saw them as equals, Adam tried to come off as dominant. What? Hang on. Since the beginning of time, men have tried to come off as dominant? What? I hear the shock in your voice. (laughs) Oh, my God. You could hear a pin drop. I am just... Okay, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) So the two didn't see eye to eye, so Lilith left the garden to be independent. Okay. Love that. Love that for her. 
however, Adam was kind of a narc and he ran to God to complain because he was like, she left me. Because I wanted oh, to no. boss her around. <laughs> oh, no. And so God said that I'm not having this behavior. So I'm going to send three angels to go after her and try and wrangle her back. Oh, so God's on team alpha male. Okay. Interesting. Obviously, um, So like on page three, I'm already having doubts about the Bible. Okay. Moving on. I know. Once again, you're shocked. I can <laughs> <What>? hear it. <laughs> so God sends three angels after her. And at first I was like, oh, and then I was like, wait a second. Biblically accurate angels are very scary, especially Old Testament ones. Oh. Have you heard about that? No. I'm... I say, have you heard about that? Like, have you heard the gossip about biblical angels? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I'm hey, acting like that. But if it were the soul of gossip, I would 100% have known more earlier than today. But I was blinded by the stereotype that angels carry of being 100% pure and innocent and kind and life-saving. and Like little cherubs. Uh, little cherubs. No, they're very frightening. They're very gigantic. Uh, they're like God's henchmen, basically. Ew. Okay. And so he sends three of his angels after her, literally, to go wrangle her back. And the angels told her if she didn't come back, they'd kill a hundred of her children every day until she returned. Okay. Religion is <laughs> whack, everybody. Because it's whack. So, first of all, why did God need three? Isn't he God? Can't he just pick her up like, from his little plop. from his little Sims property and just drop her back at the garden? Okay. Um, I had the exact same thought. I was like, just take the ladder out of the pool. Put her in there. Why are these three angels more powerful than you? Or are you just too fucking lazy to handle one but of they're your... they're not. One of your two people on Earth, you're too lazy to go help that, but then you create eight billion more? Okay, next. Also, was she a dugger or something? How did she have a hundred children? <laughs> okay, so next. Also, okay, keep going. I know where your questions are going. I know. I've, I've, I've known you long enough to know exactly the process that your brain just went through. And trust me... <laughs> I had the same thought process, so I'm going to try my best to answer them. But the one thing I know from Catholic school is sometimes there are no answers and you just have to live with it. And it sucks, but like, it's just... But also don't life. doubt it or else you're going to... But also it's true and you can't argue with it. Okay, that sounds completely fair and not at all gaslighty about someone's silly story <laughs> they made up around a fire. Okay. So the angel said, we will kill a hundred of your children every day until you come back to the garden. How many? And sorry. She said, wait, what did she say? <laughs> she said no. <laughs> how many? Okay, if you have a hundred kids, uh, not you. you ha okay, you have how many children? Where a hundred are just worth the killing? Like what? <laughs> where you're like, oh, that's just a that's chump change right there. A hundred kids, I got a million more. Like, and where did all these children come from? I thought there was only two people on Earth. Okay, from the research that I did, because I had these same questions and I went, does anybody have an answer? I should have known better. But I went and I started digging around in some uh, academic theological texts. Oh, and God. I, okay. Uh, Here comes Socrates <laughs> Christine. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Socrates is what I like to go by. <laughs> okay. That's my other Instagram handle. And, Your um, burner account. <laughs> my Finsta. <laughs> I read that the angels found her in a cave bearing children. And I was like, that doesn't answer any of my questions. Just made it worse. In fact, worse. it adds a few more. 
That's a couple more. Did she? So hang on a second. So did she go from zero kids to having a big old <laughs> pregnant belly of way more than a hundred babies? You've got to have more than a hundred if the threat is a hundred a day. Right? They must like, have come in and just just been like stepping over little newborns to be like, well, a hundred have to go. <laughs> It's like we went from no population to overpopulation like that. Like that. And they didn't even have formula back then. I don't know what she was doing. I don't know. I honestly, I couldn't figure it out. I'm sure there are some uh, very smart theologians out there who have the answer. Unfortunately, I do not. But they threatened this and she was like, no, thanks. I'm still not interested. Uh, yeah. But she wanted revenge. Okay. So she's going to get re- her revenge on on the unfair, the unjust system, which to be fair, has been pretty unjust toward her so far. Again, there's two people so far and the system is rigged. Just putting yes. it out there. Okay. Precisely already. Like we're starting off already a, a foot behind, a step behind. Hot to trot. So to get revenge, the story now goes that Lilith became the one responsible for taking the lives of other people's children. So so mm. SIDS, for example, like any sort of SIDS related, death, which just feels extremely wow dark and not something that I feel like the church should get. I, I was about to say the church shouldn't get involved. Anyway, <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I ever thought and said. Um, not helpful commentary on my part. I apologize. But she did agree with the angels. She agreed not to kill the children who had amulets of either of the three angels. Uh, material on, girl. On okay, hang on. So is this my mother talking or something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Give them a charm bracelet and then they'll be fine. I don't know. By the way, like not really any better, though, like to go from a mom who's like, who cares if a 100 of my babies die to like only the ones with suitable jewelry will be spared. <laughs> Love, mommy, dearest. Like what? <laughs> but the jewelry, it's an amulet of the three angels that came to attack her or not attack her, I guess. But like, well, attack her. Yeah. Threaten her children. To drag her back to the garden, I guess. So to like appease them, like to give them a little pedestal. Yeah, of, like, I think. Yes, I think it was to appease them. She said, you know, if they have these amulets, they will remain unharmed. And remind me, are there are there digital prints somewhere at the beginning of time of these angels to put in an amulet? How are children supposed to obtain the amulet? <laughs> are they going on little quests after school with? Like, what are, are they welding amulets together? It's a little locket. A sibling bonding experience? Okay. <laughs> it's, their, it's a locket of uh, the 10-foot-tall henchman angel. I don't know. You know, I don't really know. Are they just, they're expected to draw? Can you imagine if you told your child, draw a <laughs> stick figure of an angel and put it in the amulet, and then hopefully it looks good enough or else you die? I have the, oh, shoot, where are their names? I had Do the Do you angels. have a picture of the no. angels? <laughs> Are there but selfies? I have, I have their names. Are you ready? I see. I was gonna say it, but then I didn't want to because they're really wild names. And I, but I'm gonna try it. Okay. Uh huh. So the three angels that went after Lilith, their names are Senoy, mm-hmm. Sansanoy, mm-hmm. and Samangaloff. Two out of three rhyme with annoy, which is what's <laughs> happening right now. Just so you know. With you and me. <laughs> also, I was making a joke about a selfie a second ago, and now I'm like, wait a minute. If it's just Lilith and three angels and several babies who cannot control a phone, who's taking the picture and how are they being posed? Why well, is there a picture? What are you talking about? They need a picture of these angels in their amulet. Like, what is the... I think it's not their 
their picture. It's like probably their name, like an inscription or something. Oh, that makes it much more sensible, but also so much more boring. I was, I thought there was like a, and there's like a hand drawn etched portrait on their lock on their little amulet. (laughs) Look, none of it makes sense. So please don't come after me right now. Honestly, I feel in my heart that some people who know theology are not very happy with me right now. When were they? Tell me that. (laughs) Very excellent point. So interestingly, Lilith actually did try to return to the garden. Hmm. So she went back thinking, I don't know what she was thinking. I can't pretend to know. But she did go back to the garden at some point, which is notable because she had left, you know, independently against God's wishes. Sure. But when she came back, she'd been replaced. Oh, by Miss Miss Evelyn. Miss Thing. Yeah, as I call her. Miss Eve. <laughs> Miss Miss Eve had taken over and was the new lady in town. To get more revenge, this is where it gets a little... I mean, I know it's already dark. It's it's quite dark so far, but we're mm-hmm. going to get even darker here. Okay. Because to get more revenge, she decided to, quote, steal the seed of Adam while he slept. And I would very much like to be clear here and not overlook the fact that despite a lot of these texts that I read uh, not mentioning it, um, I don't want to overlook the fact that that is just outright assault. Fully sounds non-consensual. I just want to be clear here. We're not overlooking the fact that that is um, definitely assault. And she pulled this stunt to get revenge, uh, according to the story, and she started giving birth to earthbound demons. Whoa. Yeah. So pulled quite a turn here. So PSA, once more, men can also be assaulted. Bing, bing, bing. Uh, So I'm not supportive there. But the second part of it where she's like creating a bunch of like little hellions to fight back the angels, I imagine. Uh, I do appreciate her starting some trouble that way. Like, absolutely. As the TikTok sound goes, wait, the girls are fighting. So um, (laughs) (laughs) love that. Love that. Wow. So youthful and spry um, as the co-host of this show. I am not yet 30. And so I'm. I'm holding on for as long as I can with my TikTok clips. And that's probably going to be the most millennial thing about me in like five minutes. I don't know. As you sip your tea. I am so youthful, you say. You know, I did get into my chair today, like really moaning and groaning about my back. But we're going to ignore it. (laughs) We are absolutely going to ignore it. Um, Because I'm also going to tell you that she gave birth to these earthbound demons to replace the children that the angels killed. So this was her way of kind of re, I guess, populating her cave. And you know what? It's funny you say Hellion, because remember when I was pregnant with Leona, you called her the Hellion in my Bellion. And I meant it. So. And you meant it and I you weren't wrong. feel like you want an apology, but that is not what's going to oh, happen. Oh, absolutely not. I, once again, I understand your kind of gung-ho-ness about the, the demon hell raising that's going on. Your little baby, so sweet, but like so cute, must be a demon. Like, gonna cause trouble. Also doesn't sleep. And I think that definitely puts me in your camp of Hellion now out of my belly. <laughs> you just chose to live with a little parademon. And that's, you picked that for yourself. This is so. the choice I've made. I mean, you did give her that amulet with your face in it, with your selfie in it. You know, she's gonna get more of those too. Coming up, the legend of Lilith has been passed down for generations, resulting in religious traditions and feminist movements. AKA, up next, I will be discussing how much I love True Blood. 
This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. So as I said, Lilith left Adam and the, this is like the reca- like previously on and oh. then whatever reality show we've created it out of this story. Previously on. Hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll shop it. We'll shop it. But it's going to have we'll something to do with it. chaos. It'll be extremely chaotic. So as I said, Lilith left Adam and the garden to find her independence. And when the angels came for her, they found her in a cave bearing children. Eighty five thousand, if I remember correctly. And when she refused to go back to the garden, the angels threatened to kill 100 of her children every day if she didn't go back. And she said, I still am not going to go back. And instead, what she did was she took the lives of the children herself during the night. But once the angels left, she decided to go back oh, to the garden. And, um, and replenish her own Hellions. her own behavior. Yes, I see it. Okay. And sparing those with the amulet, mm-hmm. not the amulet. That didn't work. But the amulet. There's not enough of those to go around, the amulet. No. That one's all me, baby. Okay. So she really took matters into her own hands. The word chaos, I know you already said it, but that's really the only word that really is um, kind of fitting this story for me right now. I can understand why at the time or in a religion she would be seen as chaos because she's certainly not doing anything that was expected. No. She's pulling a 180 every few moments it seems (laughs) she just seems like a force to be reckoned with and i could see that being scary a woman doing anything the first woman Mm, oh uh oh they had no wonder you would think after this one woman they'd be like no more of those we got to figure something else out (laughs) it's too bad they need they need us you know to to do some other things uh otherwise they probably would have said no more but then again aren't you god couldn't you just redo that couldn't you just like do a little settings system update and like redo humans and then no one has to need each other. I don't know. Just do a rosebud, rosebud, rosebud. <laughs> and... <laughs> that actually do that one because that one gets me like a million dollars every time you press rosebud. <laughs> so yes, I want that one. God, are you listening? Oh, <laughs> uh, so she tries to go back to the garden. She's already been replaced by Eve. And that's when she unfortunately assaults Adam while he is sleeping, mm-hmm. steals his seed, quote unquote, and uses it to give birth to her little hellions, which are actually called liliums. Lilium. Oh, I think that was one of the words I saw that meant jackals or wild beasts, which would make sense if they're little demons. There you go. That's their earthbound demons mm. is what they are. It sounds a little like hellion, a lilium. Could it have been... That they were demonic. Could this have been one of the arguments at church that like they were demonic because they were out of wedlock or because they were not consensual or they weren't God honoring children in some way? You know, that's a good point because, yeah, the Catholic Church historically has not looked kindly upon children born out of wedlock. So that, Mm. yeah, you know, you make a good point there. I don't know that consent was something that was like as important that mattered (laughs) back then um but yes i would imagine the fact that adam and eve are already an item if you will Mm. 
Mm -hmm. probably didn't bode well for. But it also sounds a little bit like Lilith decided to have these hellions. That's true. You know, it sounds like it was almost like she knew what she was doing and this was the plan all along. It wasn't like, oh, no, those are hellions, not babies. Right, 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 right. So hard to say, you know. So Lilith's legacy became that of, I guess you could say, a baby snatcher. Hmm. Disturbing. So that mythology became rooted in religious teachings, which resulted in some traditions that were meant to protect you from the wrath of Lilith. So these are sort of rituals that you would take upon yourself to or participate in to protect yourself and your family from Lilith. So in Jewish culture specifically, between the 5th and 8th centuries CE, families would protect themselves from Lilith and other baby-snatching demons, as they're called, with ceramic bowls called incantation bowls, and they would bury those under their front door. And that was meant to protect their home. Oh, okay. Interesting. I wonder whose idea that was at first when they were like, here's the drill. I got it. I know. I know how this works. Get a bowl. Bury it under the ground. Problem solved. You're good. We're all good now. Don't even ask for an explanation. Once the popularity of the incantation bowls faded, Jewish families started a new tradition, a new ritual. They would start buying metal or paper amulets. Mm. But instead of amulets with our cool angel friends, they were amulets with the image of Lilith tied up. Oh. So it's sort of like she's been restrained Uh on this amulet. So now... We are protected from her. I see. I see. Okay. I see how it plays into the original story. I appreciate the callback. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the origins of Lilith show her as being a very vengeful woman. But over time, interpretations have kind of spun her story into one of empowerment instead. Okay. And so there are interpretations that are more feminist leaning. And those came about mostly in the late 20th century when writers and activists began to portray her as the kind of independent woman that she wanted to be in the first place when she left the garden and she struck out on her own before the angels you know, tried to drag her back. Sure. And so people, you know, feminists, more progressive writers kind of embraced that version of Lilith and decided to lean into that. And so in 1972, a groundbreaking article by writer and filmmaker Lily Rivlin was published in Miss Magazine. Hmm. And then in 1976, the Jewish feminist magazine Lilith was officially <gasps> launched. <laughs> Sorry, you caught me off guard there. That's so crazy. Surprise! Oh my gosh. Okay. She made it onto the cover of a magazine. I'm pretty sure she is the magazine. She is literally the magazine. In the first issue of Lilith magazine, Jewish feminist and activist Aviva Cantor Zuckoff wrote an op-ed which said... Lilith is a powerful female. By acknowledging Lilith's revolt and even in telling of her vengeful activities, mythmakers also acknowledge Lilith's power. That's true. It is, right? And it's kind of what you said of you would have thought they make one and went, "Uh uh-oh. You're right. (laughs) The first one's already so scary. (laughs) I know. You would think that, like, God saw what Lilith was up to and then was like, more women, that's okay. It's kind of like God wanted it. It kind of... Like, he kind of wanted, like, really powerful women, you know? At least really independent women who were going to be stubborn against At least the man. He, he knew the risk, you know? He knew the risk. And, he knew you know, risk. all this time later, it's, you know, women are still popping up, so. <laughs> we're still doing our thing. <laughs> so I'm going to finish the quote here. Um, oh, sorry. Distra- no, it's not your fault. It's fully my fault. And so in the op-ed, Aviva continued, Even if we accept Lilith's vengeful activities, we can regard them as having originated in self-defense against male domination and as a consequence of having to fight on alone century after century for her independence. Oh, okay. 
So interesting op-ed. And then in 1998, Lily Rivlin, Henry Wenkart, and Eden Dame published the book Witch Lilith. And this book featured various stories of many women's version of Lilith's story. So kind of a cool take, a cool spin on. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, on the Lilith mythology. So one of the poems in that book is Jacqueline Lapidus's poem, Eden, which imagines, get this, M, a lesbian encounter between Lilith and Eve. I appreciate the creativity for sure. I'm (laughs) wondering how problematic it would be in today's world, but I would like to see where it unfolds. Maybe I'll order you a copy off eBay later. You can tell me what you think. Ooh, okay. So in 2005, The Coming of Lilith by Judith Plaskow imagines Lilith coming back to the garden and befriending Eve. Hmm. And even though Eve was told Lilith is a demon, they kind of just talk it out and bond. Just gal pal? I could get into that. Right? That's my favorite version so far where it's like, it feels almost like wicked in some way where it's like, yes, she was never an evil witch. You just had to see it from her side. I could get into that. I love that that story. And that was from 2005. So relatively recently, I'll send you that one too off eBay. So just look out for your mailbox. (laughs) Okay. So many modern day occultists still invoke Lilith reportedly as a symbol of sex, power, and the dark side of the divine feminine archetype. I love that. Right? It's a powerful sentence there. Hmm. See, this is where the question comes back, where you were like, where is there feminism and spirituality? I mean, duh, that's the sentence right there. Yeah, no, you're right. There is it's not necessarily equality, but fair feminism exists, so, I guess, because of inequality. Pro-woman. <laughs> right, right. It exists. Yeah. So Lilith can often act as a counterpoint to the many stories of strong masculine figures. I mean, I think we all know the Bible, for example, is the Old Testament and New Testament are both full of those stories of strong masculine figures. So she's kind of like, instead of just being subservient, you know, and subservient. Yeah, exactly. She's she has main character energy, as one might say. Hey, she she paved her own way. Definitely. She sure did. Up next, we'll share our final thoughts on Lilith and the many places you may have witnessed her influence on pop culture including... Oh, True Blood. Here we go. Finally. All right. So as far as Lilith goes in modern culture, we have the thing I knew Lilith from, which is Lilith Fair. And in 1997, Sarah McLachlan organized the all-female music festival, Lilith Fair. Did you you know? Not even a little bit. And also... Really? Wait, the... In the arms of the angel singer? <laughs> yes. Which is ironic because she's known for singing a song about angels and apparently Lilith was anything but. <laughs> but also... Oh, interesting take. I really... I've only known Sarah McLaughlin uh, for her one SPCA routine. I don't... Uh, it's weird that she also like produced oh. a music festival. Oh, no, she's like a big recording artist. I'm sure she time. is, but uh, growing up in the 90s and all I knew her by was uh, my, my Nickelodeon television station showing her commercials. The, uh, I see. It does kind of blow my mind a little bit that there was something she branched out into like this. 
Oh, oh yes. She had many record-breaking albums, and she was a a big 90s uh, singer. And so she organized the... So basically, the story behind it is I, there was a really great article in Glamour that kind of interviewed just a ton, had a ton of people's takes on the creation of Little Affair and the history behind it. And so she was in a position where, you know, the 90s were somewhat more equal for women than at least previous decades, but it was still an uneven playing field. And so her agent or producer would try to get her song on the radio and they would say, sorry, we've already slotted Tracy Chapman in Mm. this week. And that's enough female artists, you know, for the week. And so it was just hard. It was just a very male dominated industry. And so she decided, you know what, why don't we do something just for women? We're going to have this all-female music festival called Lilith Fair. And the reason it's called Lilith Fair is because a friend told her, hey, have you heard the story about Lilith? And she kind of heard about this independent woman who went against God, went against Mm -hmm. the only man on earth. Um, And she combined that into the idea of an old-fashioned fair, but also a play on words of like equality Hmm. fair. Oh, wow. I had no idea about any of this. You hadn't heard of Lilith Fair? Well, here's the... No, I hadn't. I don't know what's wrong with me. But also, this whole time, I really... This is why it blew... I thought it might be like, demon themed i was unsure when <laughs> you said lilith fair and i was like the in the arms of the angel singers has a demon it really blew me oh, it blew my mind okay so i'm on board now i'm on board festival. i was like what is she what is this about now i'm totally understanding how it makes total sense and i was just it's, it's sort of just more like the the feminist embracing yes. of lilith's uh story as being an independent trailblazer type you know I totally am on board now. I but I really have never heard of this. Or if I did, I think oh. I just never paid attention to it. Oh my gosh, Lil Fair. We got Tracy Chapman. We got Sarah McLaughlin. We got country pop. They had different genres of music. It was it was pretty badass. Hmm. Um, and I think they said they got a lot of flack when they first started it because people were hesitant about sending their artists because they weren't sure if a festival full of women would actually draw. Ew. crowd you know and they were like well but i guess one of their first shows drew ten thousand people and they were like all right huh. wouldn't you believe it, it? women have fun <laughs> too you believe it <laughs> and they said there were men in the audience as well it wasn't you know just women participating nice. and apparently one <laughs> one group of college guys was like oh well this is where the girls are <laughs> so that's go figure <laughs> go figure so i guess some things never change now I think I'm going to speak more your language here because we have a couple TV shows that also reference Lilith. We've got Supernatural, uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, one of my favorites, and The Witcher, which I know Blaze watched. Uh, and they all feature characters and storylines inspired by Lilith. And now here's your platform to speak about uh, Finally. True Blood. Okay, so yes, I knew Lilith through True Blood. I I must have heard the name before, but really, I would say 90% of the information I know about Lilith is... I didn't know you watched True Blood. I loved True Blood. Really? Yeah. I Around, like, season... It was like there was one season where I, I actually gave up. I never actually saw how it ended. It got a little too complicated. They were really throwing every sort of mythical creature at me. And I was like, I thought this was a show about vampires. That's where we're, that's where we were. And then there was werewolves. I think there were fairies at one point. There was some uh, creatures I've never even heard that the name of. That sounds like supernatural. Well, it also came out right during the vampire craze of like Twilight. Mm. I mean, it, so it was very 
on brand for the moment. And also, I don't know who their PR team was or something, but they also sold great merch. I was like all of their oh. all their trinkets and tchotchkes were like looked like right off the set. Anyway, I was a big fan of True Blood and Lilith was. uh so I think the story went in the show that God made Adam and Eve as the first two human beings, but God mm-hmm. made Lilith as the first vampire and Adam and Eve were created to give her people to drink from. Oh, something like that. <laughs> God. Which like now in hindsight with the story you just told me, I totally understand why there was like some sort of demonic influence. I feel like it was sure. like they used the story of Lilith that has been passed down forever and ever. But then they were like, but the kids love vampires these days. So <laughs> that's what, how we're going to have to twist that. We'll spin it. We'll spin it. Next up, we have The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the White Witch, who's the main antagonist of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is said to be a descendant of Lilith and oh. is referred to as Adam's first wife. Interesting. And C.S. Lewis, I don't know if you know, is a also a Christian theologian. He's a... Uh, Huh? He wrote a book on Christianity. He's he, uh, multiple. He's very, um, very big kind of philosopher in that space. So it makes sense that his one of his characters would have that storyline. I feel like I knew that Narnia was a bunch of allegories and, and yeah, there's a of... lot of yep, yep, okay. yep symbolism. Yeah, yeah. And Lilith also appears in the 40th issue of Neil Gaiman's The Sandman series from DC Comics. I know you're more of a uh, you know Marvel and all that. I'm Team Marvel, but I have heard of this comic book, but apparently it was just a flashback to like the beginning of time. So she makes a a guest appearance and then bounces. Oh, really? Oh, in Mm -hmm. this specific uh, issue? Yeah, it's not like Lilith was like a a new superhero or anything. Oh, she just kind of shows up and it's like, Mm -hmm. never mind. (laughs) Okay. She was like, I I would like my DC Comics check, please. I was here for a couple (laughs) frames and now I'm out. Well, who can blame her? Who can blame her? That was honestly the most Lilith thing she could have done. <laughs> That's a good point. So whatever. Well, um, how do you feel about this whole story? How do you view Lilith? Uh, is she a demon? Is she a feminist? Is she both? I think she was turned into a feminist symbol, definitely. Oh, good. That's I agree with you. I don't know if she was a feminist. First of all, I don't think she was a feminist for her time because if she was the only woman, I don't think she really, I don't think she knew what feminism was. But I think she was independent and I think she had a lot of really cool values that like make her worthy of being mentioned, especially in Mm -hmm. feminist context. But I also do want to say you can be a feminist and also have done some really crappy things. And if the part is true where she fully R-worded Adam while he was sleeping, you can be a feminist and also have a a really messed up sense of behavior. Absolutely. Like there is not, it's not just like a fresh, like claiming to be a feminist doesn't just absolve you. Yes, exactly. Like wipe away any of the bad things I've done. I know some people with really wonderful values who have a really messed up past. And I know some really wonderful people that also are still unpacking a lot of things that over time they will become less of a terrible person in other ways. But I think we should not negate that she has done some pretty terrible things. Well, also maybe accidentally being a feminist. So I think there's two answers there. To be fair, she might be the first feminist because she was the first woman, the only one. And she stood up for herself and said, I'm equal to you. Mm, we're, okay. the same, we're the same dust. We're the same dirt. I'm equal. And they said, no, you're not. And she's like, well, screw you. OK, I don't need you. I don't know. You convinced me. That's a that's a great argument. But it seems like Lilith is kind of getting appropriated into whatever she 
however she fits the narrative. That's fair point. Fair point. Because I don't really know. <sighs> like it's a like if I ever found out that a man is the one writing Lilith however he wants, then all of a sudden I got a problem with it. If we've got another feminist writing a comic book about Lilith, then I'm like, okay, you get the, you, you understood the assignment. You get the vibe, you know, and then there's like, and now she's a vampire. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I think she dig it. I think she dig it. I think she dig it in a way, but I feel like it's has the risk of kind of taking away <laughs> the point of her whole spiel. I feel like that, if we really wanted to like have coffee with Lilith and like really discuss what her opinion and I on, do <laughs> and really discuss like what her opinion on being seen as so powerful is because being so powerful very quickly translates to scary or translates to something we don't know or well she literally decided to birth demons so I think I that's think true. she's on board with that part that's I just a good wonder point. If she's like a vampire all of a sudden, she's like, that wasn't my thing. Like being a demon was kind of my thing. At least my baby well, being yeah. demons. Raising demons. I don't know. But yeah, it is interesting how she's kind of been spread. Because Lilith Fair was also known for being just very like peaceful, kind of had a lot of like folksy vibes. And so it's interesting how that is one angle of Lilith. And then also she's in The Witcher, which I assume has a, quite a different take. I would love to see a reverse game of telephone and see what the earliest, because I like even earlier translations of the Bible. I would love to mm, see like true, what even the really Bible's a translation. Very good point. Because for all we know, she had babies, and I don't know, Eve called them demons, and now that's how <laughs> we got deep. I mean, they were just babies. Like, I don't know. Eve was don't... just gossiping and it insulted her children and then everything spun out of control. And if that's the case, then all she ever did, quote, wrong was want to be an introvert and, like, be by herself. <laughs> like, so <laughs> really, like, she could have gone from, like, an introvert to a vampire. I don't know. I, you know. Is that your... Oh, that's your autobiography. This is my... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from demon <laughs> to feminist, from introvert to vampire. Well, okay, I'll take it. But yeah, no, I wonder, like, if we were to look back at the earliest, earliest available texts, like, uh, was she, did anything that is being claimed against her, was any of it true? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it sounds like at the very least, she left the garden to strike out on her own. I feel like that's all we can trust at this point. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from Kenyon College, How Stuff Works, My Jewish Learning, Vice, Glamour, cslewis.org, and Comic Vine. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can follow me at Xteen Schiefer or Demon Turned Feminist. <laughs> and you can find me at The M. Schultz. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. Fact checking by Cara Mackerlein. Research by Chelsea Wood. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We are your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. Mm -hmm.